Hey everybody, so today we have a very special episode for a couple reasons. First off, this is the first time I've ever interviewed someone in person who is not like far away on their own computer screen, so this is fun. And second, I think this is a topic that's going to be really, really interesting to some of you. Um, and it's a topic I haven't talked about a lot, but we're going to dive into what it looks like to homestead when you're a teenager, or maybe you're listening to this podcast and you are in high school and maybe your parents are into homesteading, maybe they're not, but what are your options? What will that look like? And how can you move forward into this lifestyle in the future? So I have a very special guest with me today, and I actually don't think I've mentioned this setup to you, but um, this has been a really fun addition to our life. We have Kayla Visser now working with us here on Homestead. So yeah. welcome to the Homestead and to the podcast, Kayla. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So um, for those of you who are semi-familiar with my businesses and how they are set up, you're probably familiar with Michelle. So Michelle has been on the podcast several times. Most recently, we talked about bats, lard and tallow. She also has run my community groups, and she has helped me with various things. But Michelle is actually Kayla's mom. Yeah. And um, Kayla has been interested in homesteading for a really long time. So I'm going to let her share her story with us today. And I think it's a really cool story. It's pretty unique. And um, it'll be really applicable for those of you who are younger and you're interested in homesteading. So do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself just to kind of get started? Sure, yeah. Um, so I'm 21 right now. Um, I've been interested in homesteading for, oh, let's see, seven, eight years. Um, before that, I was into horses, actually. Oh. Um, but then the horses kind of transitioned into more of like a homesteading thing when my family moved to um, 14 acres in New England. Um, before that, I had just grown up in suburbia, the suburbs of Philly, Wilmington, everything, just kind of like a quarter of an acre that you can't do anything with. Um, fortunately, I did grow up with a big park behind us. So we were always out in nature. We were always doing that part. And yeah. so that's always appealed to me, being outside, being in nature, all that kind of stuff. But I think homesteading really just started to make sense to me when my family moved somewhere where we had space to do something. Um, and so initially for me, I wanted to get horses. I was excited about that. And then somewhere along the lines, um, horses transitioned into milk cows. I wound up getting a milk cow. Um, but before that, I just kind of started small with, with stuff. So that's kind of how I got into homesteading. Um, I don't know if that's what you were asking. But. Yeah, no, I like that. So do you think, so let's say, so seven or eight years ago, you were how old roughly? When you I was 13 when we moved okay. to some land. Okay. So. Did you have that, you had that interest before you got the land though? It was kind of like brewing with horses and then you had that yes. desire. Yes. Okay. I definitely had the desire before we owned land. I just, there didn't feel like there was a whole lot yeah. to do with it. Um, my grandmother did have a garden. So there was always that, you know, we were freezing beans and that kind of stuff a little bit before sure. we had any land at all. But so yeah, I was into the horses before we had any land at all. And then it just kind of grew, I think, when we actually had space to for me to kind of do something with that. So it just kind of oozed out, I think. What was it like when, I mean, were your parents into the rural lifestyle or friendly towards that? Like when you were like, I like horses, I want to do the cows. Like, what was that like for you as a, as one of their children, you coming to them? Yeah. So my parents have always been super supportive of anything that us girls have been into, which is fantastic. Um, so when I kind of like the horses had been there for a while. So I think when it started to manifest into other things, it wasn't like a massive shock. Um, but they were, they weren't 
let's see, how do I say this? They weren't like into that kind of stuff really before. I kind of drug them along at some points, um, but they were always very like supportive of it and like understood. So thankfully that that is the case. But my mom's side does very much come from rural farming. They're all still kind of in the backwoods of West Virginia, just living off the land kind of thing. So it is there, but for their generation, that period of time, there was no form of like homesteading or farming whatsoever. So that's a really interesting um, situation. I think a lot of us, whether you're younger generation or older generation, there was that gap, right? Yeah. And I found that a lot with my own family. I have hardcore homesteaders like legit in my lineage but that boomer generation not I don't think that's quite your parents but you know there's that those several generations where it just completely fell off and so now people like you and me these younger generations were picking mm-hmm. up the torch a lot of us but there's some there's some older folks doing it too but yeah kind of just the overall arc yeah I very much agree yeah so do you think that you can like when when is too young to start working towards a homesteading dream do you think that even exists I think really never is too young, honestly. I think at the bare minimum, start building a work ethic. At the bare minimum, like start working towards something. Even if it can't be homesteading right now for for a number of reasons, start building like the ability and the desire to work, honestly. Yeah. Like I think I think that's huge. Being being willing to work, I think, is a huge part of being successful. So how did you cultivate that? So I actually Horses, actually. Horses. Horses. <laughs> um, they are the gateway drug for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was raising my own money and paying for riding lessons, but then I, fe- which was one form of work ethic in itself. But then I found a place where I was going and I was actually working at the stable all weekend in exchange for free lessons. Um, so I think that really kind of built in me this realization of if I work hard, I get something for it, even at a very young age. Like if I work hard, something will come of it. Like for me, it was that immediate, like free lesson. And sometimes it's not that immediate. Um, But if you work hard, something will come of it. So, yes, that was a really important lesson for me too. Um, And my parents were supportive. Like they weren't like discouraging me. And I was, it was also horses. So I didn't know what homesteading was when I was a teenager. You you have, you're ahead of me on that because you were already, when you were younger, you were thinking that way and I wasn't. But it was, I think that mix as a parent now, I look at my own children, it's the mix of, yeah, I, I love you. I support you in what you want to do, but I'm not going to give it to you on a silver platter. And there's something magic about that. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. Um. So originally when I had to pay for my riding lessons, it was just because my parents couldn't afford it, like yeah. flat out. And I always say like, I'm so glad that that was the case yeah. because my dad especially would have, would have just given it to me, but it was for me that I think foundation of like, I have to work hard for what I want. And yeah. from the very beginning, I had to. Um, and so I think that, that that's a really important place to start, at least recognizing that hard work is needed. Yes. And if it's not, it's not worth it. Yep. So absolutely. So you do in the writing lessons. I know you had quite a few entrepreneurial adventures. Yeah. What, did, what else did that look like as you got older and progressed through high school? So for entrepreneurial stuff? Yeah. So it initially started when I was nine is when I wanted to start doing writing lessons. And I started a dog treat business. I made um, just homemade, completely from scratch, all natural, which is interesting because that kind of got me into cooking too, which is a part of the whole thing. Um, And so I started that to pay for riding lessons. And then I started to be able to not only pay for my lessons, but save up money. I was like, oh my goodness, like I'm just spending, you know, a few hours a week after school kind of doing things and it's really paying off. And so that just, I think, started that like fire of like, whoa, like 
this is cool. Um, and then later in high school, my sisters and I went through several different businesses as well. One of them was like an art thing, which was really cool. And that wound up teaching us how to program websites to an extent. It's just really cool. Like the building blocks of like, when you start investing in really anything, but especially entrepreneurship really fires me up. Um, you like learn things along the way that you didn't plan to learn at all. And they're just, that's just a part of it. So so that was kind of a tangent, but that, no, there was tangent. a lot of entrepreneurial stuff kind of in my life that led me to the point where I just, it fires me up. I love it. Yeah. There's something connected, and I've said this before, with entrepreneurs and homestead-minded people. It's kind of the same spirit that mm-hmm. animates both of those desires, and I think they often come together. Yeah. It's that idea of taking charge. I'm taking charge of my finances. I want something. I will earn the money to get it. And then you take charge of your food, and you take charge of all these other pieces with yeah. the homestead. So it's and I think there's self-reliance in both of you know like self-reliance and self-motivation which is a whole nother thing I feel like but when you have to be motivated to raise your own food or to grow a business I think that goes hand in hand with it too which is interesting um but yeah yeah absolutely okay so you had your businesses you were doing the horse stuff then your parents bought the farm what was that like was that like the best feeling ever well it was so we bought um our land in the early spring which in new england is kind of late but in the early spring um and so that whole summer was literally just magic like every part about it which we also live on a lake so that was a huge i mean you're 13 and live on a lake that's just epic um but there was a huge aspect of the homesteading that first summer too we got there within a week there was so much going on in the house we were trying to like redo the floors and all the things and i was like mom we're digging a garden. Yeah. Like, now we never. did it. We did it. Like, in New England, it is now or never for gardening, yeah. <laughs> which you know. Um, but, yeah, it, it just it just started. And I was like, Mom, we're just, we're just going to dig a garden. And so we did, and we just planted stuff. A lot of stuff didn't grow that year for a lot of reasons, but we just did it um, and just started. Like, we just had to start somewhere, so we did. Um, but, yeah, that, that first summer was really fun, really just, like, you know, imagining what could be. Um, it was really so were you kind of the driving force for your parents? Like, it's not like you're like, hey, we got to get the garden. And I'm sure they were friendly to that idea because they just bought land. But were you kind of like saying this is next steps and were you doing some of the research and stuff like that? Yeah. So the research actually started before we moved, which was fun because this is a whole other story. But we knew for a long time we were moving to New Hampshire. But um, so, yes, before we moved, I was we had a great library system. And that was a massive resource for me. I would literally just go and check out just stacks. I remember one specific night, my older sister and I just had books all over the family room floor. Just like, like oh, we could do this. We could do this. Like, I didn't know this. And it was just a really exciting time. Um, but, yes, my parents were, like, excited about it, too. They had just bought the land. It was all very new to them. But they were excited about it. And, in fact, my dad is now the one that's driving a lot of this stuff now, which is really cool to see. Um, But, yeah, they were supportive of it, which if your parents aren't supportive of it, it's a whole different thing because that's just hard. But there still are a lot of things you can do. Um, I forget what your original question was, though. I've just been rambling. Um, No, that was good. I was just, like, I was thinking I was just asking about you driving, kind of driving that push towards it. Yeah. But they were still, I mean, they were still excited, but. You were, you were researching ahead of time, so you kind of knew what was coming next. Yes. So I think, honestly, that probably is one tip if your parents aren't supportive, too, is, like, bring them facts, like, which I did even though my parents were supportive. Like, just do the research, spend the time, invest in learning, yeah. and I think they'll see that this can be logical. Like, it doesn't have to be crazy. Yeah. I think if you have information and resources and stuff to kind of back it up, 
that will help your case. Whether your parents are or aren't supportive, I think that's a good thing for, for both of you as a younger person. So. And that worked in my favor. So I, I never did convince my parents to move to the country. Like <laughs> it was my number one goal as a child and I tried so hard and they, they never moved. They still haven't moved, they're still in the same house. But I was able to talk them into letting me get a horse at 14. But it was very similar. Like they knew I was committed. They knew I was consistent. I had read every book in the whole world. I had volunteered. I had done 4-H and I was like, okay, I've done all the things. I'm going to pay for it myself. I have a job. Here's how we're going to make this happen. And they're like, I guess we can't say no anymore. Yes. (laughs) So it was that same dynamic. Yes. Yeah. If you have the logic, it's a lot harder for them to say no. (laughs) Totally. Totally. Um, Okay. So when you were getting started as this high schooler in homesteading, which is so cool because I don't know. I'd love to know the, the data, the statistics. It seems like most people start homesteading when they're like, they start a family. Yeah. And then they, like for me, it was kids that made me mm-hmm. care for the first time. I didn't really care about food and all that before. And I think that's true for a lot of folks, but you really are unique. Potentially, I think that you started so much younger. You had your books that you were checking out from the library. Yeah. You were looking, what other resources did you rely on as a high schooler trying to get into this life? Yeah, well, the internet. The internet, yeah. <laughs> um, which is actually funny. I hadn't, I hadn't really thought about it too much until recently. But you were actually one of the resources, which is really oh, interesting. Fun. One specific <laughs> thing that I know, which this is cooking and not homesteading, and a little bit of a tangent, yeah. but sausage gravy, like okay. that you, that, like oh, that's, that's where I learned so to make. Fun. So it's just, it, it's funny too how the kitchen all connects with it. But anyway, yes. that is a whole other thing. Yeah. So resources, yeah, the internet. After so after we moved, we moved to a really small town with a not good library system. Like I had read most of the books that they already had there, yeah. so books weren't as much of a resource for me. Um, but the internet, yeah, I would spend a lot of time. I would usually choose a topic and just kind of dive into it, and then at some point I would get bored of that topic or want to move on. I'll just move on to something else. So like obviously before I got a cow, it was milk cows for a long yes. time, and then it was. I knew that we had a lot of wooded area, which we do. So I wanted to utilize that. So it was like, okay, what can we do with that? So that was kind of a unit study, if you want to call it that. Um, so that's kind of how I would I would just dive into one topic and then dive into another one. And then just kind of overall, it, it turned into a big picture thing where at the yeah. time there were focuses. But yeah. Overall, it was like a big picture thing, which was really cool to kind of step back and see that at some point that it all kind of added up yeah. and worked together. So, and it's interesting, um, as I've been doing research for my book that I'm writing, one thing that keeps coming up a kind of a trait of successful people is mm-hmm. curiosity. Yes, it's that just insatiable curiosity. Yeah. For who, I mean, who cares what it is? Doesn't just matter, get into it, just Doesn't dive matter. in and follow yeah. that. And that mm-hmm. is definitely a trait of people who get what they want in life. I mean, and that can look totally different for everybody, but yeah. that's that's a, a big marker. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cause I grew up homeschooled and one thing that my mom said all the time was one of my main goals for you is for you to learn, but mostly for you to love learning. Yeah. Because if you love learning, that will happen your whole life. Like you're going to be with me for a small period of time as a homeschooled kid. But when you go out into the world, I want you to love learning so that learning will continue forever. Yes. So that's just keep learning, keep loving learning. Yeah. Amen. Amen. I know for me, cause I, I mean, it's kind of cool. We're both homeschooled. Yeah. kids now and we're both homestead people yeah um that was the same for me I think the bulk of like what I've learned and, and attained and done as an adult has come from continuing that self-led learning process mm-hmm. as I've gotten older like right now I'm researching for this manuscript and I'm reading books on psychology like college 
textbook from psychology, <laughs> which, you know, 10 years ago, I'd have been like, you couldn't pay me to read that. <laughs> but it's that following that curiosity and it's leading me down some really cool paths. And so it's that keeping that love of learning in there is so, yep. so key. Yes. So key. Yes. Whether you have your homeschooling your kids or not homeschooling them, I think. I think it applies like yeah. everywhere, like literally everywhere, no matter what you're doing, if you love learning, you're gonna, gonna go somewhere. Gonna like you're gonna you're gonna learn something at least. Yes, yes absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you will. Whether you, sometimes it's not what not to do, but you will learn. Something. Yes, very true. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, okay. Cooking. Let's talk about cooking because yes. I know that was a thread. How did that yeah. incorporate into this? So, cooking. I loved to cook for a really long time. I was. I actually remember when I was around nine. So I have two older sisters and one younger. And the two older sisters, I was around nine. I was really interested in cooking. I was in the kitchen a lot. I was cooking, if my brain serves me correctly, pretty much full meals around like nine, ten. Um, and my two older sisters weren't really into it at all, which now they are. You know, obviously that happens. Mm -hmm. But um, and so mom had this uh like a summer challenge basically and one of the things was for my two older sisters to cook a full meal for our family and I just remember thinking like I'm already doing that like it's not that hard which yeah. like not to put them down yeah, I was sure. just in a different place and had different interests but um so yeah it was I didn't feel too young to be doing it at the time and obviously I wasn't but looking back I'm like most kids my age were not yeah. were not even interested in that and then at some point it kind of transitioned into I was cooking most of my family's meals um, which the nice thing is when you're a kid, you can just be like, mom, I'm not cooking tonight. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But, um, which so we don't really have that luxury yeah. as much as adults. No, no. But yeah, so canine cookies. So like my dog treat business yes. started a lot of it that got me into the kitchen. And obviously that was different because it was baking and it was, it was just different. But I think that kind of got me into the kitchen and kind of empowered me and made me realize like, oh, I can do a lot of things in the kitchen. Um, and then at some point, yeah, I just started cooking. I don't, yeah. I don't, I can't really remember exactly. Um, but then it was cool that I had already enjoyed being in the kitchen when I got into homesteading. And then I remember I had been into homesteading for quite a while when it kind of struck me, these go exactly together. Like, I just remember having this light bulb moment of like, they, they just, they go together. Like if you don't like being in the kitchen, the rest of it is, and vice versa, is kind of burdensome on both ends if Absolutely. you don't enjoy the other one. So it's just really cool how I kind of had a background in being interested in the kitchen and loving that. And then obviously that transitioned into more like from scratch stuff when I got more into homesteading and realizing that food was so important and they just really tied together. So yeah. just another one of those things where when you follow something that you're curious and passionate about, you never know how that's going to equip you for something later that you don't yeah. even know you're going to be interested in. So, yeah. so follow your passions, I guess. Absolutely. And just pull out, you said something about cooking being burdensome mm -hmm. and how it goes together. And I was thinking, someone who's watching or listening this, to this, I hear a lot of people say, I hate cooking. It's yeah. drudgery. I yeah. don't enjoy it. And that's totally, I mean, that's fine because we all have different interests. Mm -hmm. But one thing I've noticed for me, because I used to think the same thing. I, I didn't like the cooking about mm -hmm. high school. I could make a pie because my mom like forced me to figure out how to make a pie. <laughs> funny thing is I still Which, can't make a pie. <laughs> that's funny. We're good parents. <laughs> um, but I like did not cook but for the joy of it. But what made me interested in cooking was when I got into homesteading more, like for some reason, like making a cake from a box didn't feel exciting. Like that was mm -hmm. boring and just blah to me then and now. But when I was making a cake from scratch and I was like doing this chemistry and I was like bringing forth the cake yes. from flour and water and eggs, it was like, this is magic. And I feel really good about myself because I'm doing cool stuff. Yeah. So I think there's an element where maybe a lot of people think they hate cooking, 
because they're doing the modern processed version, which is boring. Like, there's no magic in microwaving something. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't feel good. It's, yeah. it's empty. Which, again, I think is coming back to the curiosity aspect yeah. a lot of it, too. Like, there is an aspect of the curiosity and the passion and that kind of thing in the kitchen, too. Like, yeah. when you can see something come from nothing, like, there is, like, a curiosity yeah. and a wonder kind of component in that, which is just kind of interesting that it all just comes back down, I guess. It all, it's all connected. It's all connected. <laughs> So you got your cow. Yes. Did, and did you say, you, did you fund the cow yourself? with your? I did. <clears throat> so I had actually saved up from my dog treat business, which is crazy that I was like nine and 11 and 12 and making enough money that I actually saved up enough that eventually it bought a milk cow. Like that's just kind of crazy to me. And it didn't feel that crazy at the time, but looking back, it's like, okay. But yeah, so I did fund that. Um, and fencing is expensive, yes. <laughs> really expensive, yeah. even more expensive now, but anyways. Yeah. Um, so it was a pretty small pasture, and we had to supplement with a lot of hay and all that kind of stuff. So that was expensive too, but yeah, I was able to fund it, and I did babysitting and other kind of stuff at the time too, to because uh, I wasn't as entrepreneurial at that time. I was more focused on homesteading, and obviously I was in high school, so that was keeping me busy, and, and a couple jobs that I had and that kind of stuff. So I wasn't as entrepreneurial at that time, but still able to work hard and fund my own um, passions, which was great. So, yeah, that was a really, really cool time. Yeah. So how did it work? I mean, you had horse lessons, so you were familiar with some large animals. But mm -hmm. one thing I see tripping up a lot of folks because they get nervous about is, you know, they have a dog and a cat. And they, they go from that to a cow. Yeah. And that's intimidating because it's a large animal. They can be dangerous. So how did that work for you as a, as a kid who was now owning a milk cow and dealing with a milk cow? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'm not fully sure that I know the answer. Um, I, I tend to just jump into stuff, mm -hmm. which I had moments once I had bought her that I was like, this should not have happened. <laughs> um, and my dad did have to get involved, you know, sometimes. And and I watched YouTube videos and did what I could to prepare myself before for having that large animal. And like you said, I was familiar with horses, but cows are different. Um, but I think also I just wound up with a really good cow. Okay. That was a big part of it too. I didn't even like mean to. Yeah. Um, and she was a heifer, which is interesting because – Oh. Looking back, that should have been a problem. Yeah, <laughs> but she was just a really calm, just and she's she was a Holstein too, so that okay. was kind of funny too. But but she was just a really good cow. She was, so I think that was a big part of it. But I also just stayed calm. Like staying calm is a big part of it too. I think with large animals and with life in general. Yes. Because once I had jumped in, I was like, okay, I'm committed. I'm gonna figure this out. Like, there's no point in getting excited about things. Um. So it is. It is tough. It is hard. Do prepare yourself, but at some point you do have to jump in. Yes, um, and even when it's the right thing, you'll feel like you're making a mistake sometimes too, especially all, when all you're like time. 15 and you <laughs> yeah. know, it's, it's hard. But um, once you jumped in, it does feel better. Totally. So. Action cures fear, I think, yeah. a lot of the time. I mean, you still have some fear, but it's better. Trust us, yeah. it gets better. Yeah. So had she been melt? She had not. So you were like breaking the cow. You were giving her, okay, that's my, a big jump. My younger sister was a big part of it because I always had someone with me. Like yeah. we were just a team, which is so helpful. If you can find anyone who supports you, will be your team, do it. Yeah. Find that person because that's massive. Even just the mental and moral support, like yeah. you need it. Um, so she was a big part of that too because we were always just together and figuring stuff out together. But yeah, she had not been milked. It was. You were starting from scratch. 
Yeah, I, like I'm looking back at some of these things and I'm like, this was crazy. Yeah. But um, no, she was just, she was calm. Obviously I had, I'd read like 10 books that can only prepare you so much yeah. for physical yeah. things, but it does really help because even sometimes when you're in the middle of something like dealing with a large animal, you have that knowledge to pull back from, yeah. which I think is a point if you're, if you're younger and your parents don't support this or no matter what stage of life you're in, if you can't be jumping in as much as you want, filling your brain with that knowledge is a massive part of being successful later. Like, even if you think I'm just reading a book, yes, you are, but you're also equipping yourself. Like you're just really building a foundation that you never know how you'll be able to pull from that later. So absolutely. And it's that combination. I think people make fun of book smarts a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. And I I agree. Yeah. Like you said, there's something you can't duplicate doing the thing and touching it and being there. Yep. But like, I still pull on books. Like yesterday, we were planting trees, and I'm not used to planting fruit trees. That'll be another episode. I'll tell you more about that. But I'm planting these fruit trees. I don't know what I'm doing. So I had the book out there next to my shovel, like, and I'd be like, stop, I'm going to read the section on she how did. these can be yeah. planted. Because, like, I was doing the action, but I still needed the book to give me yeah. some guidance. So yeah. I have no shame in doing that. <laughs> yeah, yesterday was actually a really good example of that. Yeah, that's yeah. the book out there next to the dirt. Yep. So. You got to have both. You got to have both, yeah. <laughs> and if, I think either one alone gets you in trouble. Yeah. yeah, but if you can only do one, I think it will still it help will, you with the other Absolutely, one. absolutely. So did you have mentors, like I got your sister helping you, did you have any other mentors in real life besides the internet? You know, I really didn't. We had one neighbor who would raise a few beef cows every year, um, so he kind of knew about cows a little bit, um, and I would talk to him, he actually goes to our church, so I would talk to him, you know, yeah. about things every once in a while. He knew generally about cows, um, but really, I didn't, which would have been really helpful yeah. to have someone just like come over and come beside me and I think that would have been really helpful yeah. but I just kind of figured things out but you so, did it anyway which is so cool yeah because you just I think yeah if you have it it's great but it, sometimes you don't like yeah. I didn't have a homestead mentor when I started I was yep. just like yeah yeah mind sometimes mind. So you just don't you just don't and yeah <laughs> um okay so I get emails every so often from 14 and 15 year olds who are, they sound like super cool individuals yeah. and they're, they read the blog and they are listening to podcasts and they're like, I am so into this and I'm, I'm saving up for land at a homestead when I graduate, kind of like, tell me next steps or what do I expect? What would you tell those people? Um, let me think. Do what you can, I think, which like has kind of been the theme of this so far. Yeah. But like for me, I am very much like I want to just do something big and do it now mm-hmm. but a lot of circumstances in my life have forced me to like sit in the waiting for really yeah. long periods of time for different things which sounds like it couldn't be that long because I'm only 21 but it feels so really long really long when you're sitting yeah. in it um and one thing that I've learned is you can either use the waiting or you can waste it and no matter, I think, what stage you're in, you're always going to be waiting for something. Like, I, I, I'm pretty sure, like, that's one thing that I've just realized. I think you're always going to be waiting for something. Um, so whether you have the perfect scenario or whether you don't, use the time. And I can't tell each individual, like, unless I analyze each individual thing. And even then, I couldn't tell you, uh, like, each individual situation. Mm-hmm. Like, tell you how best to use your time. But find a way to use your time. Whether it's just building that work ethic, which sometimes is just working at McDonald's, you know, sometimes that's what it is. And sometimes that's what you got to do. Or whether that's 
spending every waking second reading about what you're passionate about, whatever it is, I would just say, use your time to help equip yourself for the future, whatever that looks like for you. I can't tell you what that looks like for you. And it's not going to look like it did for me. It's going to look different for everybody, but use your time, use your waiting, use it well. Yeah. I think that's That's what I would say. I think for anyone, not even if not in high school, full grown adult, that's great advice. Yeah. But I think when you're younger, it does feel longer. It does. I remember that feeling. Yeah. Like if I would have known, I remember how bad I wanted land and horses and the life I have now. And it's, my own understanding when I was 15 and 16 and to know that now I have it and I've been there done that like I could I would have never believed that like it felt like it was never ever 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 yeah gonna happen no I agree I mean even just being here I've been like holy cow so much of what I wanted I have right now and so I think maybe that's one other thing I would say is like the waiting will probably make it eventually better what you do have but not only that whenever you do have what you used to want Take time to appreciate yeah. that. Like, yeah. it sounds, like, weird almost to say, but, like, sometimes just look around you. Even even if you are just working at McDonald's, building that work ethic, yeah. look around you and be like, I'm working towards something, and, and appreciate that. And I think your attitude changes a lot, too. Absolutely. So, so where, where do you see homesteading? How do you see it fitting into your life in the future? I mean, you're 21. You've, you've already graduated college, right? Yep. So, and you've already had, I mean, you've been around doing different jobs. So you've already seen a lot of life for a 21-year-old, which is kind of a testament to, I think, how your mom set your, your homeschool up, which is a whole other topic of homeschooling high schoolers, which I can't speak to because I haven't done it yet. Um, maybe I'll have to have Michelle back on the <laughs> But it was so cool that she had you guys really kind of set the launch when you got to turn 18 pretty much, right? So you could go and see the world. How did that, or is that your, how, how do you describe that? I think you asked me two questions. I think right? I did. I think I just threw a whole bunch of stuff at you. <laughs> um, so yes, I, I think I was very equipped in a lot of ways, but in a lot of other ways, I still just go and experience things, yes. um, which I think is amazing that one of my mom's goals was to equip me for whatever I wanted to go do, um, but I still had to just, so I had a lot of really good foundation, but I still yeah. had to go and like build on that. Sure. And I still do. I was obviously, obviously I still yeah, do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I did just have to go and do some things. And that was a big part of, and I think it still is a big part of what I'm going to do in the future mm-hmm. or where I am now. Um, I think in the future. I mean, that's a hard question. <laughs> it is a hard question. I don't know. I see myself with some land somewhere. Yeah. I think like this isn't a passion that I can get rid of. Yeah. Like, um, obviously I have no clue what the future holds really. Yeah. And, and honestly, right now I'm really present, which is great. I've always been a very like futuristic kind of person. And so you're asking me that and it's kind of funny. Cause I feel like a year ago I would have had a whole list of things, sure. but right now I'm just kind of trying to be here. Um, but in, like the things that I've had passion for in the past will always be there. And I think they'll always continue to grow. Yeah. which I don't know if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely. I just think that it's not going to stop. Like, it's just. Yep. They're in there. You're just yeah. going to keep following and see what happens. Yeah. 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 I like it. Last question. What would you tell little nine-year-old Kayla? <laughs> what would advice would you give her? Um, so I was saying I didn't know what advice to give to just anyone, mm-hmm. but to myself, I think I'd say something similar to what I wound up saying like use the waiting which I did yeah in some ways 
But in other ways, I look back and I'm like, there was still so much wasted time. Um, and I just, I think for me at least, like talking to myself, I got really wrapped up in the waiting, I think, like feeling like, woe is me, I can't have what I want right now, which I think we all have those moments, but I was just very dramatic about it sometimes, I think. Um, so I would say things will happen, first of all. Um, second of all, even if they don't, which I can now tell you they will, um, even if they don't, just keep using your time for something. Like, I don't know, that sounds really basic. No, but, but there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, yeah. Like, you can, you are completely in charge of how you use your time. Yeah. Not only that, but you're also completely in charge of, um, your responses to things your attitude towards things your um emotions about things like you're in charge of all those things and I think the sooner you realize that you are in charge of those things and you should be in charge of those things and you should want to take charge of those things like how you respond to things is huge and how you deal with things and how you look at things emotionally I think that's huge so I think just I tell myself Use your time and um, what would I say? I hear you saying a lot around like taking ownership. Yeah. Like taking ownership of what you can do and your your finances. Even if you're a kid and you want something, go earn the money and um, take charge of your time and take charge of your responses. And that message of higher levels of responsibility is one that is disappearing in our culture mm-hmm. which is I, I which is why I think your trajectory is so different than the average 21 year old because you have a, you have an old-fashioned mindset that a lot of maybe you don't even realize it but that a lot of people don't have and I think that, I mean we're all different it's not that we all have to be the same but I think there's a lot of power in taking that ownership and taking that responsibility yeah because um, that's ultimately how we get what we want yeah we step up. and I think it's important to when you realize that you can essentially govern yourself and yeah. should when you realize that you realize that sitting back and just saying, woe is me, no matter what you're doing or why you're feeling that way is not going to help you. And so I think when you realize that not only do you have control of yourself, but you should want to, and you should want to take charge of that. I think it just does a lot of good. A whole lot. Yeah. A lot of wisdom there. (laughs) Anything else that we missed? Anything else you want to add? Um, Probably. I don't know. I'm sure we'll think about it. We go at lunch. We'll think about it. Um, Well, maybe one thing that I should say, which is going to sound random after all the rants we've gone on, but you don't have to homeschool to have this mentality because I know we talked about homeschooling a lot. And I know for parents and kids often they're like, oh, well, I go to public school or private school or whatever it is. And so you feel kind of trapped by that. But I think that applies under all the rest of the boxes. Do what you can, take charge, um, and do something. Do what you can. So, So homeschool or public school. Yeah. It, it all is the same. Yeah, yeah. Totally. So that was kind of random, but totally. yeah. Um, well, this has been awesome. Yeah. This has been super fun. Yeah. <laughs> we don't get to talk about this stuff when we're planting trees. I know. <laughs> well, we don't think to talk we about it. We don't think about it. I mean, we could, but we were sweating too much yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, speaking of trees, we'll talk about that in a future episode. Because, uh, but anyway, you'll probably see Kayla in some of the videos. She's been helping me with some hopefully some upcoming YouTube stuff and she's hopefully. been helping me with the beach business and helping me all kinds of things. So she has been so awesome to have around to see more of her. Um, thanks for doing this. This is yeah, super fun. Of course. So I know it's going to be really inspiring for a lot of people. 
hopefully. I don't know how inspiring I am, but hopefully so, you can get something from it, whoever you are. More than you think, for sure. <laughs>